Welcome to the XYZ Experiment Podcast. I'm Fiona, 53, and I'm Gen X. Hi, I'm Sarah, 44, and I'm a Xennial, halfway between a Millennial and Gen X. I'm Dash, I just turned 39, and I'm a Millennial. I'm Amelia, I'm 27, straddling the confusing line between Gen Z and Millennial. Does anyone feel they've got imposter syndrome? Yeah, 100%. One of the things I want to talk about is I don't know if I feel imposter syndrome. Part of it is like actually what what is it? What do you think about and go through in your mind? If you know that you're experiencing it, what is it? Because it was almost like your panic attack episode, right? I was like, oh, that's a panic attack? Imposter syndrome, also known as imposter phenomenon or imposterism, is a psychological occurrence in which an individual doubts their skills, talents or accomplishments and has been has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. I personally felt it probably most when I first graduated from university, like when I had my first job. It's this constant sort of, okay, when are they going to figure out that I don't know what I'm doing? Even though I do know what I'm doing, it's like you feel like you're putting up this facade and that like your achievements are a lie. Can it be though that sometimes you don't know what you're doing and that you're faking it until you make it? And so Mm. that's why the imposter syndrome comes in a little bit because I know there's sometimes things where I'm definitely out of my depth, but I know I can do it. I know I can. Is that, can that be part of the imposter syndrome as well? You're faking it till you make it? Or is is it definitely that you know what you're doing and yet you still don't feel confident? I think personally for me, my fear was that I was faking it to make it, even though I did know what I was doing. I didn't have the confidence and the backing in myself. I feel like a lot of the time people say it's a very inherently female thing. Speaking myself at the moment, I don't really experience that as much as I did historically. For me personally, it's maybe when I really, really care about something then that's when it tends to reignite because my solution to imposter syndrome is to study and to learn more and to become confident within my own knowledge base and know, especially in a space where sometimes it can be very hyper-masculine in sort of the top area of the profession and the people who are considered the experts, they're just so confident in what they do. And I think a lot of that can sometimes be misguided and unfounded confidence in terms of skill level. I'm wondering, Amelia, and I don't know if the others have any views on this, is it, I agree with what you're saying and I think what you're saying totally I can resonate with, but I'm wondering are there times where it's an internal situation versus an external situation? So even though, for example, with me, I'm like, I know I know how to do stuff and I know I'm good at my job, But for all sorts of intersectionality reasons of me in the workplace, sometimes I feel like the rest of them don't know that or don't believe that of me. And so I have to prove myself. And so I have this massive drive of um, wanting to, um, yeah, prove that I can do it. Not because I don't believe I can do it, but I believe other people believe of me that I can't do it. So I think imposter syndrome, though, is different. I Imposter syndrome is not others seeing you as the imposter. It's you. Okay. So it's definitely Feeling like an imposter. Yeah. 
you you don't feel like you belong there or you feel like they're going to discover that you don't belong there that's i feel like that's very different to feeling 100% comfortable and sure of your position there or what what you're doing and others whispering going oh well they don't belong there and you're going well whatever that's your problem yeah that's very different imposter syndrome is yeah i i agree and disagree in the sense that if dash was truly confident within herself to know that she is able then why does she need to prove herself to the other people around her i'm curious yeah i guess the thing that tends to happen with me is that I often will get overlooked or I'd get shafted Um, and so I have gotten better recently in being like now that's not okay and I'm going to be pushing for my recognition like there's so many things that I have done incredible things with and I'm in academia like I'll be listed down the author list when I should be listed higher up or I'm writing most of the methods for a grant and and that's not being recognised and it's those types of things and so I know I've done good work, I know I've done it but then it's almost like people don't seem to recognise that Um, Mm. and I, I constantly feel this thing of having to kind of push for people to see me as worthwhile um And I don't think it's an intentional thing. So interesting things that have happened recently, like I've been talking to a few women of colour in my workplace and they work both in academia and also in health services. And just being in meetings with other people and they can be a mix of um, white men and women and not being heard, like saying things and just literally not being heard and... Um, It might be the manner in which we say things. We might be too gentle. We might be more submissive. And um, then having um, one of our colleagues who's, um, you know, a white woman has an American accent, quite ballsy, coming in and just being like, nah, this. And it's like, yeah, but we've been saying that for the last three months and no one's um, acted on it. So I don't know. There's an interesting power dynamic with that. But I do take your point. I think it is a self-belief thing more than anything else. I find that really interesting because obviously I don't have the experience of being a woman of colour within a workspace. That must be incredibly frustrating. Yeah, it is incredibly frustrating. And it was, I don't know if I shared this on this podcast already. I don't think I have, but when I got my PhD and I deliberately started using my title all the time and my husband, who's a white guy and incredibly talented, he was like, oh, yeah, I don't feel the need to use my title at work. Like, it doesn't matter if um, people don't refer to me as doctor or anything like that. I remember saying to him, but people always took you seriously. You didn't need the title to be taken seriously in this space, whereas in I haven't. I've sometimes sat in meetings and they'll be like, oh, Dash, take minutes, even though I'm on an equal... Are you kidding? Nah. Um, equal level to everyone in that room. Do you room. say no? I do say no now. Yeah. Um, but I'm just, it's, it's just, it is a thing. It's a phenomena that happens. And so I will always use my title. It's important. That title is important for me, not just because it's a sense of achievement, but also because I do feel like then people are like, oh yeah, you're, you're a doctor and you legitimately belong here. But he doesn't need to. It doesn't matter. Mm. He'll be taken seriously regardless. But that's white male privilege. That's white male privilege, 100%. And so, do you, 
internally though, when those things are happening, do you doubt yourself ever? Do you start internalising that? Or for you, is it, it's 100% about, look, I've got rock solid belief in this. It's frustrating that I've got to prove it to them. These are the demonstrated ways in which it's, you know, it's impacting me further down the author list, being asked to take minutes, not being heard, et cetera, et cetera. Are you always super confident in where you, where you are? I'm always super confident in where I am, but it's exhausting. And mm. I think it gets to a point where, and particularly at this time of the year, like we're getting towards the end of the year, I'm not, I don't have sometimes the energy for the battle. Mm. And so it's easier sometimes to just be like, oh, whatever, I'll take minutes or all, like, okay, whatever. And so then does that mean... I don't believe in myself. It's not that I don't believe in myself. I'm too tired to fight for myself in those instances. How do you avoid breeding resentment around that as well? Because there are there are definitely people now I refuse to work with because of that, because I'm just like, I, I, it's too tiring to fight for that. And so I feel like I've now hijacked this and it's gone from imposter syndrome to kind of weird microaggressions to women of colour in the workplace, you know? But, so it's interesting. but it that I think this has always been my battle with imposter syndrome because I am like, is it me or is it them or is it a combination? It's hard for me to distangle, mm. but I really do feel I have always, despite everything, have had a very strong sense of self-worth and self-belief. Although I will say there's one instance or a few instances where I do feel like I get imposter syndrome and that is sometimes walking into particular stores where I'm like, I do not belong here. Or walking into particular venues or restaurants where I'm like, I am not cool enough to be here. Like, I am not cool enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not, like, whatever, to kind of be in these spaces. That's the only thing. But um, in terms of my own kind of skills, ability, um, expertise, that's never been an issue. You've really got me thinking, though, because... um I, I understand imposter syndrome and, and I, I can understand why it happens, but I don't think I suffer from it myself. But just hearing you speak makes me think it's because I am full of so much white privilege, literally. Mm. Like, I, I don't have to worry. I've always got a voice at the table and no one would ask me to take notes, I think. Yeah, I think it's important. Maybe that's why someone might have imposter syndrome as well, because because of those factors too, something which I don't, ha- I don't have. Actually, that is a good point because not all people of colour would have the same level of self-belief and self-worth that I have. And so potentially imposter syndrome is even more uh, relevant. Enhanced. Yeah, enhanced in them. Well, I would say for me as a woman of colour, I have self-belief. And any, I guess, imposter syndrome I have is not linked to that yes. aspect of me. It's linked to not feeling that I necessarily had the skills or knowledge. Yeah. Okay. Right. And I've and I'm impacted by the same things as you, Dash, in terms of all of what you said. Ask to take minutes, whatever, whatever. Variations of that have happened through my life, but that's never left me going oh gosh, I feel like I don't necessarily belong because of that. It's more when I've been a bit like Amelia, new into the workforce when I was uh, younger, coming out of uni, 
or in a new job or in a new field or something like that where I haven't actually built up. But then I look at, yes, the, the white male who's like, yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing, but it's all external, right? Well, that's on them to teach me or give me the skills. Nothing, nothing it, um, is inherently deficient in me. Mm. Oh, I stuffed it up, but that's probably they should have trained me better. <laughs> Whereas I'd be just fearing making a mistake or not excelling. You're in positions where you're faking it till you make it and that's that time where you feel like an imposter. I always thought of imposter syndrome, like this is the example I would give, is that two people are going for a job and there's a man and a woman and you've got ten things you have to hit to be able to get this job and the woman's got nine so she doesn't apply for it and the man's got three and he applies for it because he'll learn the rest on the job whereas the woman's like, well, I haven't got so. I would take that one step further and go, the woman's friend forces her to apply. Yeah. She gets, gets the, the job. job because yeah. over the dude who's only really got three, but it's still close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's a really savvy panel who can see through all of that and they hire her. And what imposter syndrome is, is for the next two years, every day going to work, that woman who only didn't meet one of the selection criteria, right? But was otherwise the absolute best person for the job, every day going into work, sitting at her desk, in meetings, sending in reports, sending emails, she's there going, they're gonna find out, I don't know what I'm doing. They're gonna find out, I um, can't do this job. Imposter syndrome is her staying up till 1am, over-preparing, over, you know, doing it, rehearsing that talk, going over it with a fine-tooth comb because they'll find out that she doesn't belong there, she doesn't deserve to be here, she shouldn't have gotten the job, she can't do it, she doesn't believe in herself. That's what imposter syndrome is. Yeah. And there's... Sorry to interrupt you, to to extend on what you're saying, Sarah, there's this real sort of push in the whole motivational world of like, as a woman, you have to do 150% to like, you always see these quotes being like, oh yeah, you have to go above and beyond and that's expected. And it's like, it's crazy. I think that motivational stuff feeds into that imposter syndrome stuff too, though. Mm. Uh, I often see a lot of that sort of stuff and see them talking and all that. And, you know, if you work hard enough, you can do it. People work bloody hard and still can't do it, you, you know. Like, it do- that doesn't mean it's always going to be successful. And then what they don't teach is what happens if you don't make it. You know, what happens if you don't make it or what happens if it didn't go the way that you thought it would go. And then that might feed into your imposter syndrome, you know, that, that I, I, I thought I couldn't do it and now I've proven that I couldn't do it. And so that stuff really worries me. Yeah, I really resonate with that. Like, I really hate that messaging that you can do it all, you can make it happen, you've just got to believe in yourself, all of that shit. Because at the end of the day, we can't do it all. There are going to be things we are not good at, right? And that is in any job, I don't think it's always feasible that you're going to hit 100% of the KPIs, the 100% of the things that they need of you. Like I know for myself, hideous at budgets, hideous. I do not understand money. 
and I do not know how to cost out things properly. And I know that I just need someone on my team who can do that. Yeah. So is that, for me, I could sit there and go, oh God, I've got to do all the budgets and I'm, and beat myself up about the fact that they're going to see through my budgets. I'll 100% know that I can't manage money. I'll go, I'm going to be found out. I have been found out because I've under budgeted or I've done stupid things like that. But instead of beating myself up about it and worrying about it and losing sleep about it, I find someone who can be like, you are my budget person and you are going to check it or you are going to do them for me. Yeah. Imposter syndrome though, again, just going back to that, would be putting on a face of being able to say that, you know, going back to this example of, of, of this woman who's gotten the job, the 90%. She was, maybe that 10% is the budgets and she was really open. Look, these are the things I'm good at, budgets I'm bad at, that's fine. No one's realistically expected to be able to do everything, right? And the boss is like, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, we have someone who can help you with those budgets. The imposter syndrome, I think, would be okay with not being able to do budgets. Everyone knows I can't do them. No one's going to be perfect at everything. It would be about how you feel about the other 90% that you actually can do. Yeah. Okay. You know, and then that might become a vicious cycle. Because it's, it's like, oh, I can't do the budgets, but then... It, that that maybe just would add to your feeling of that you shouldn't be there, that you don't deserve to, to be there and the other and you feel very insecure about the other parts of the job that you are supposed to be able to do. In fact, it might be easier for you that you can't do the budget. It's very transparent. I don't know how to do the budget. Someone else is doing it. Mm. That's actually probably the easiest part. Mm. That I'll now prepare a report on these other things that I'm supposed to be an expert in, but I feel like everyone else is more of an expert than me. Imposter syndrome, it... It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Like, mm. you know, when we talk about it through those terms, that's exhausting mentally and physically because you're overcompensating for something that you actually you can do. But that's exhausting to think about. And just as we're talking through examples, I'm just thinking in my own head about as I've got older now, because I've, I've, I've been doing my job for a long time, I just put, I'm putting unrealistic expectations on myself about what an outcome should be like mm -hmm. and if it's not getting to that exactly then I'm internally getting upset about it and I'm just wondering is that imposter syndrome because I think well I've been doing it for 32 years I know exactly what I'm doing you know they talk about imposter syndromes bigger in women than men and I think that's because women are expected to do it all they're meant to be the perfect wife the the perfect homemaker look after the kids you know, look after their bodies, get their job done as well. It's mm. it's exhausting. It's exhausting to expect you can do everything 100%. Yeah, I think it is exhausting. But I now think I'm so exhausted by other things that I'm not, I don't have imposter syndrome because I don't have the energy for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too tired to be an imposter. <laughs> but maybe you're just older as well and you know who you are now and things like that but I, I think it can come at any age isn't yeah. it? it's not a young thing it can mm. be older or younger but, for but sure. I would say that it gets well better as you get older yeah because the weight of your experience even your inner critic and your imposter can't argue against it I, I wanna I wanna add add to it is that like the one thing like even though I have that voice in my head I actually have a lot of confidence, so it doesn't yeah. stop me from doing anything. And I feel like, because I, I just think, oh, I can do that. I think that all the time. Like Even like with this podcast, just going, 
yeah, I can do a podcast, you know, and just... And I'll just work it, it out, yeah. even if I don't know how to It'll now. be okay. It'll be okay. It doesn't yeah. ever... That's why I don't feel like I have imposter syndrome because it's just like I don't let anything stop me. I yeah. just go, I mean, what did I know about this? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> just did it, you know, just and learnt on the job sort of thing. So I guess, though, to me, imposter syndrome is also linked to the stakes of it. So with this, let's just say it wasn't a success or yeah. you couldn't do it. Let's just say, obviously you can, yeah. and it is. What are the stakes, right? In a workplace or something around... We lost heaps of money. Yeah, or, or even yeah. with pa- parenthood, yeah. I would imagine, you, you know, perhaps a feeling of imposter syndrome going into a mother's group or something yeah. where you're like, oh gosh, you know, I feel like an imposter here talking yeah. about how I'm teaching my child to whatever and I think back to my home it's a mess I'm not on top of it I'm just pretending here and the stakes are like high in terms of your perception in your friends group or that's one thing I would say around it yeah but I think maybe that is something that comes with age and maturity is the perspective on stakes right and maybe the perspective of when does this really matter and when doesn't it matter and when is it a bruised ego versus I might get fired over this or I'm going to damage someone else or, you know, that kind of stuff. And so maybe imposter syndrome becomes less about imposter syndrome and just a recognition of the pragmatics of life and perspective taking and just being like, you know what, we're not going to be brilliant at everything. And you can't always grow if you are in situations where things are too easy or you're already thriving. And so... I think part of imposter syndrome is to recognise, hey, when you're feeling that, it is the feeling of, hey, this is a moment of growth or a moment of, um, yeah, development, and that's a good thing, and to embrace it. Hi, it's Sarah. Thanks for taking the time to listen to us here at the XYZ Experiment podcast. Don't forget to leave a rating and review. And if you enjoyed our show, make sure you tell all your friends and family and, of course, subscribe. Uh, Follow us on Instagram at the XYZ Experiment. You'll get all our latest updates and news. And a big shout out to Luke Champion, who composed our original music. 